This episode of the Enhancement Talent is brought to you by Referees, the unsung heroes of the wrestling business. Yes, even Nick Patrick. Fall is here. The temperatures are dropping, the leaves are changing color, and pumpkin spice is everywhere. It's a time for excitement. It's also time for an old WCW staple. This week on The Enhancement Talent, we bring you another pay-per-view review with our take on one of the most infamously bad WCW shows in history. Join us as we give you our thoughts on WCW Fall Brawl 1998. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the amazing Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? (laughs) I got the giggles. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Yeah, this is take three of the the intro here because, you know, it's late. A little uh, punch drunk a little bit. Favorite NBA franchise team, go. Uh, The expansion franchise team. The Flint Tropics. (laughs) (laughs) You never saw Semi-Pro? I just watched it recently for like the first time, maybe like five, six months ago. Yeah. I just thought that team name is just amazing. The Flint Tropics. Andre 3000 was great in that movie. Yeah, he was. Uh, that movie's underrated. It, it didn't really it didn't really click when it got released, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. So, how about you, out in beautiful Cary, Illinois, the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolavik? What are your thoughts on Semi Pro? I think I saw it about ten years ago, and I think I liked it. I don't. I just remember Will Ferrell's uh, Afro, and yes, Andre mm-hmm. three thousand. Um, how about a little? Uh, I'll give a little love to the uh, Charlotte Hornets, Kelly Terpuka, uh, Grandma Ma Johnson, <laughs> Del Curry, the original yeah. Curry. Uh, who else was on that team? Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy, Lonnie yes, Divac. of course. Lonzo Morning. Yeah. Bulls um, made short work of them back in the day. They had a decent team. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember... What year they came in? They came in like in the late eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. They came in, in the late eighties, along with uh, Miami mm-hmm. and Orlando. Shaquille I remember. O'Neal. Yeah, I remember the Orlando Magic starter jackets were the shit back in like the late eighties, early nineties. So was the Charlotte Hornets one though. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That 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 B with the basketball was badass. Mm-hmm. Oh, starter jackets! Remember those? God. Those were the shit. I used to have. I had a. I had a White Sox shirt. I had a Bulls one. Did you have the zip up or the pullover? Because the pullover I, was the best. No, I had. It wasn't a zip up. It was a button up. Yes. Yeah. No, I had the pullover. That one was the best. Yeah, I had a. I had a White Sox one, and I had. I think I had an Eagles one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Reggie White. It was Reggie White, Randall Cunningham, that era. 
Yeah. Oh, the kids today will never know the <laughs> the awesomeness of the starter jacket. You know, seeing NWA back in the day and the Straight Outta Compton video, walking around in Raider starter jackets. That was the shit. I remember <laughs> my Preach. mom would. My mom would, uh, I don't want to buy you a starter jacket. I hear people are shooting each other over them. I'm like, come on now. Yeah, it's the same thing with, uh, with the Air Jordans. and yeah. So I never got those. And my daughter actually got Jordans for her birthday. I'm like, I was a little bit like, not because of that, but it's like, but I didn't get them and you're going to get them? Yeah. <laughs> I never I didn't get Jordans because I never liked Nike's. Huh. Nike's I they never fit my foot right. So I was just like, eh, no. I was always a Converse dude. That was yes, those were my those are my school. shoes. Yeah. Yes. Chuck Taylor's. Chuck Taylor All Stars, baby. The Kentucky gentleman himself. Mm-hmm. High tops. Yep, always. I remember I had a pair of like uh turquoise ones when I was in third or fourth grade and then I would get the black ones after that mine were navy blue yeah I fucking love Chuck I I love Chucks man Uh, I can't wear them now because if I tried to my fucking feet would like disintegrate but you know things we were able to do when we were young when we can't anymore Uh, hide our Walkmans and our starter jackets that's right our starter jackets our Walkmans Upgraded to a Discman maybe later on. I still have a Walkman and a Discman. Yeah. Do you, have the, do you have the cassette adapter to play it in the car? No, unfortunately. Oh, damn. That was that was a luxury. Pop it in. Yep. You had the anti-skip device. Mm-hmm. That's Which right. Mine didn't work hardly ever. <laughs> I wore out my CDs pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. That was the shit. Oh, the 90s, man. So much, such a simpler time. Yep, going to disco With, round, buying new CDs for like six or seven bucks. Yeah. Well, that segues really into our show tonight, since we are going to review a pay-per-view from the 90s. But um, we'll get into that later. <laughs> we were talking about good things of the 90s right now. We're going to talk about a very bad thing from the 90s later on. But before we do that, let's get into the news of the week this week. Um, The big news this past week, on Sunday, AEW held their inaugural Wrestle Dream pay-per-view that uh, emanated from Seattle, Washington. Uh, Bob, I watched this with you. Um, It was a great show. AEW never, I mean, they just don't seem to ever really massively disappoint with their pay-per-views. No matter, you know, what the build is or whatever, they, they always have really good matches uh, on this sh- on these shows. And this one didn't disappoint either. Uh, I know this show is... We're not going to really do a full-blooded, you know, pay-per-view review on this one. I'm just going to single out a few matches that were I thought were killer. Um, and those were... Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Page. That was a killer match. The home crowd was really behind Swerve, even though he was supposed to be the heel in the matchup. The crowd was 100% behind him. It was kind of weird 
uh, <laughs> seeing Hangman get those uh, boos throughout the night. Um, but it was it was a really good match, really solid match. Um, Swerve got the win, and I think he really needed it too because I they're if they're going to position him as one of the the main guys, which I think he more than deserves. Uh, he needed a win like this against Hangman to uh, to really get over, and that's exactly what happened. Of course, Prince Nana was was there at his side. Mm-hmm. Love him. I, I, <laughs> there was a thing to the outside, and the camera was just there perfectly. And after I forgot what the what the move was, but like Hangman falls, and then Nana's just in the background, just like yes. just dancing. It's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, Swerve got got the win, and you know that was an awesome match. Uh, another one was the um, the Golden Lovers and Jericho against uh, the Callis family. Uh, that was, I mean, it wasn't as good, I think, as uh, as uh, Hangman and Swerve, but it, it was you know lots of action, lots of good back and forth, lots of hard hitting action too, like. The you know seeing Takeshita and Kota Ibushi go after each other with some really fucking strong hits, that that was that was something to watch, and uh, I enjoyed that one immensely as well. Um, also going to uh, point out the main event, which was Darby Allen versus Christian um, in a two out of three falls match. The, that match itself was really entertaining. I love that first fall where uh, Darby pulls Christian's turtleneck over his head, and Christian just sells it like a like a champ. Just fucking awesome. I mean, Christian ends up winning the match, and we'll talk about what happens after that as well uh, in a bit. But my my pick for match of the night was Danielson versus Zack Saber Jr. Not only is it my pick of match of the night, it's up there. As a, as a real big contender for match of the year. That match between those two was just fucking outstanding. If you love technical wrestling, chain wrestling, hard-hitting action, just anything having to do with, like, the match itself, that thing sucks you in from beginning to end. It's a really great match between two master technicians. And I also loved the commentary that was coming from both John Moxley and uh, Nigel McGuinness throughout throughout the match. You know, uh, Moxley was cheering on uh, Danielson, of course, because they're BCC teammates. But Nigel McGuinness was was uh, cheerleading for for Zack Saber Jr. and it was it was awesome. Like Moxley, Moxley deserved an award for his commentary. That was fucking awesome. Um, and then at the end, of course, got what got the wrestling world talking was the debut of Adam Copeland. Uh, the uh, artist for, formerly known as Edge, he comes out to uh, his you know theme that he come, came out to in uh, in WWE, which is the song Metalingus from Alter Bridge. Of course, WWE, since that's an original song, they don't own the license to it. So Edge was free to use it, and use it he did. The only thing they did was they re-recorded the "You Think You Know Me" line at the beginning. And this time, the person saying the line was his wife, Beth Phoenix. Um, and yeah, just that moment got a huge pop. It's funny, like he comes out, he you know he 
he hits Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus with the chair. And, you know, he has a stare down with Christian. He hugs Sting and Darby. But if you go and you watch, like, there's a there's a fan video out there at the end where he's up on the stage and you see FTR out in the wings and they look like giddy little schoolgirls while while uh, while Edge is getting uh, his his uh, applause and then he he starts walking towards them and they're like jumping up and down excitedly and they hug him at the end um, and that's cool because you know Edge and FTR of course are really good friends and I think that kind of puts ice on the wound of FTR losing at CM Punk as a as a friend backstage and now they gain edge so that that should be really cool but all in all solid a pay-per-view in my opinion with my match of the night going to uh danielson and zach saber jr but really not a bad match on the list uh bob what were your thoughts about wrestle dream i agree 100 percent with the danielson saber match uh that's great thing about it is there's a promo that um <clears throat> Danielson cut afterwards uh, where he said that this is pretty much and he, and he gets emotional over it he starts almost crying when he says that this is the kind of match he's always wanted to have in his life and it's the first time that he was allowed to do so um, and then afterwards also Zack Sabre calls out, comes out and says ah, well if he really wants to beat me he could beat me on my home turf or he could beat me in Japan you know I feel like this was just a fluke victory so if you could get those guys in the ring again, let's do it, man. That was that was 23 minutes of just pure excellence when it came to professional wrestling. Um, the the rest of the card, like you said, was really really good. My only problem that I had is after you left, I rewatched it a little bit, uh, especially the the Edge entrance. And my problem I had with the entrance is if you recall, um, they're attacking Darby Allen, they're attacking Sting. They're about to do the concerto, and the lights go out. Then they play the vignette, you know, of Edge coming in, and then they play his music. If the whole purpose of you is to come out and save somebody, like, Edge is, like, running back and forth on front of the stage and, you know, <laughs> takes the time running down, it's like, it defeats the purpose of a save, you know? Like, if you remember, Matt Hardy was getting his ass kicked, and they debuted Jeff Hardy. And what does Jeff Hardy do when he's supposed to come out and save his brother? He's dancing at the fucking top of the rampway. You know? It's just like... Uh, like, that's the only part that I had a problem with. It's just like, well, it defeats the purpose of a save, but... Yeah, but um, I think... I. I, I let it go because I believe that the shock of seeing Edge there would stop the attack. But that uh, that's just me playing devil's advocate. I'll fight you. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, overall, fantastic, great show. I loved it. Um, Eddie Kingston and Shibata was great. Yeah. Um, you know, was, uh, the women's match was really, really good. Julia Hart and Statlander. Um, you know, it just... So like you said, Swerve and, and Hangman was fantastic. Um, yeah, so just a lot of fun overall. I got to watch it with with you guys, so it was definitely a good time. Yeah, Adam, were you able to watch Wrestle Dream? I haven't, but I really, really want to um, because everything I heard and read was just <clears throat> top marks across the board, critic wise, fan wise. Um, looks to me like you know, seems like there are most pay-per-views there might be a weak match or two but it seems like everything was really really solid on the show i've heard a lot of complaining and heard a lot of 
people just based on reviews I read that think this is among one of the best pay-per-views they've done, or at least top three. So definitely need to check it out. Uh, come on, where's the, where's the streaming deal, Tony? Where is it? Tony Khan, not Tony Lopez. Yeah. I think it, it's coming. It's coming. They just got to iron out that uh, new TV deal. Yeah. But uh, I, I do I do believe it's it's going to be sooner rather than later, I think, before they announce that uh, AEW is going to be on Max. I'm looking forward to that just so it can be easier to watch them. Uh, but uh, having said that, yeah, I, I want to see the Danielson and Sabre match. That just sounds incredible. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, Kingston and Shibata, that's another one I really want to see. Uh, yeah, Swerve getting the win is, is really key, I think. Um, that's you got to do. You know, you got you to gotta get other guys involved. You know, you saw Takeshita, we talked about it at the, the last pay-per-view, getting a clean pin over Kenny Omega, and now you have Swerve getting a, getting a win over Hangman, so again, this dispels the whole, the lead book themselves to win all the time. Uh, urban legend that keeps, uh, you know, festering on the IWC. You know, you get, you know, you've got your established big name guys, but you're, you're bringing other guys and girls to the forefront, um, and building the company around them. I think they're doing a solid job of that. Um, yeah, and as far as the Edge, uh, debut uh i loved it i i got to see the clip of it the, the pop was just otherworldly uh when he came out uh the vignette was really cool and yeah i'll forgive him for uh for for his entrance uh everyone just got caught up in the moment uh i was able to listen to the media scrum uh this week and uh, he was like an excited little kid. Uh, like his enthusiasm was just contagious. Uh, just uh, you know, in the ring and and then um, after the show, he's he's just so jacked to be there. And you know, uh, despite a lot of people wanting to uh, never speak of him again or put their uh, action figures in the garbage uh, because he he is a traitor. Um, you know, just to hear him say, uh, his kids said, uh, go with Uncle Jay, have a good time. I mean, how, how can you not be happy for the guy? I mean, he's, he gave almost, gosh, we're talking 25 years to the WWE, so many great matches, you know, uh, guy wants to do something different, uh, more power to him. And that's the thing, because I, I watched a little bit of the media scrum, too. And he was very excited when he says about, you know, working in w, in uh, AEW now. And he listed all the, you know, the people who were in the company that he would love to have matches with. You know, people like Kenny Omega. Um, who else? Who, he mentioned a lot. Um, they're, they're just, I'm blanking right now. He wants to work for New Japan and he wants Okada. Yeah, that's another thing. He wants a, he wants a, a match at uh, Wrestle Kingdom with Okada. Which, fuck, do it up. You know, the AEW has the working relationship with New Japan. They should totally do that. Um, yeah, he, he said that his last go-around with WWE, the contract that they were going to offer him, it was only going to limit him to, like, 10 matches a year. And he was like, well, I don't want to do 10 matches a year. I want to do more than that. I You know, I've got more of it in me. And they were like, well, we don't we're not going to use you any more than that. And he was like, okay, well, 
fuck it, I'm leaving. You know, I'm not signing this. And he, you know, set out the remainder of his contract, which, of course, expired at the end of September. And here he is. And he's, according to him, he's going to be wrestling full-time. But, of course, wrestling full-time for AEW is different from wrestling full-time with WWE. It's an easier schedule, less traveling, so it fits well with him as well. Plus, you know, he's a veteran who can teach a lot of the younger guys backstage, at least the ones who want to be teached. And he um, he's already got rapport with his best friends there, you know, FTR and Christian and the like. It just seems like a really good fit, and I'm happy that he uh, was able to, you know, I'm happy that he's as excited as he is to be in AEW. And if you're a wrestling fan and if you're an Edge fan, you should be excited for him as well. I was just going to say, you know, despite all the tribalistic people out there, uh, you hear wrestlers at the Scrum and in other interviews talk about how having an alternative is good for the performers because Mm -hmm. you know it gives them other options um you know obviously you know edge put out a few posts um i don't think he's ever slamming the door shut to coming back to wwe someday if that's what he wants to do but this is allowing him the option to do some things he's not allowed to do right now um you know bob mentioned danielson with Zack Sabre Jr. about not being able to have a match like that up to this point, and he's been he's been doing it for over twenty years. You know, just you know, this gives you the freedom to kind of you know write your own chapter, how you want to close your career out, and and you know, for so long guys didn't have that option. It's 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 a great thing, um, you know, because these guys give their bodies and uh, for us, and you know, they should be able to go out the way they want like some athletes are able to if they're lucky in other sports yeah i have a i have a question for you guys and and tony you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about being devil's advocate it kind of seems that athletes who have had real big injuries brian danielson neck injury edge neck injury soraya uh, page with her injury that the WWE is kind of saying okay well with what you had to say earlier uh, we're only going to limit you to 10 matches a year do you think because the WWE is such a huge giant company they want to like kind of get away from the liability of that with regards to saying well we don't really see a future for you here because you had uh, such a major injury in the past and then they go somewhere to an AEW where they could wrestle as many matches as they have. I mean, Danielson's been on fire since he's left, and you know he, he's had you know banger after banger after banger. Uh, Soraya's a champ now. You know Edge just came over. Do you feel that one of the reasons why they're letting him go is because of this injuries and not want to be responsible for it? I think that's very yeah, that's very possible. You know they, it's it just seems weird to me that. All those, all those wrestlers who were on the shelf for so long because their necks were so fragile and they didn't want to have an injury that would somehow, you know, threaten their life. Now they're back to wrestling full-time in another company. And not only wrestling full-time, but they're wrestling at a very high level 
and it doesn't seem to be an issue. It, it's it's weird. It's like you kind of have to ask yourself, why weren't those WWE docs clearing them to wrestle? Because obviously, you know, they're able to. I mean, it, it, I'm sure if the if any doctors at AEW employees look at Danielson or Soraya or Edge, and they're being like, "Hey, if you don't if you don't quit right now, we could have a you know Mitsuharu Misawa situation on our hands, you know, and you'll be dying in the ring." I'm sure they would say something, and that would kind of end things. But that's not the answers clearly that they've been given. They've been cleared to wrestle. So I'm not sure what the doctors in WWE or WWE itself, I don't know what the hang-up is. It could be, yeah, like you said, that they just don't want to be liable in case something bad happens. But then again, it's, it, it's fucking wrestling. A major injury can happen at any moment. So, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I really don't. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards that. That's that's what I thought too, especially you know, given the example of a, of a Danielson or someone like that who who wrestles at such a high level, despite being told uh, no, you can't anymore. I, I think they're just trying to avoid uh, bad PR if something does happen, or you know, or, or criticism, or or lawsuits, or or what have you. Um, WWE, as far as lawsuits, how many of those have they? they met and and uh were able to either settle or win the case so that's yeah. that's a little interesting um you know when tony was talking about some of the some of the people over the years uh, i thought of sean michaels you know sean michaels wrestled at such a high level and had such a bumping style uh up till 98 when he got hurt at uh wrestlemania and he was on the shelf for four years some sometimes it just you know i'm uh, you know I'm not a doctor like Bob, but, you know, sometimes uh, years away, sometimes it's just to heal the body works. I mean, again, Michaels came back four years later. You know, they're just going to do a street fight to to protect them, and it was just evident from that first match that, you know, it was like time stood still. The injury wasn't a thing anymore, and they, you know, he kind of carefully uh went through it for about a year and then how long did he go before he had the matches with the undertaker i mean he went about a decade so sometimes i think you know maybe just the 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 relaxing and policing yourself you know that that seems to be working for guys and girls so you know um i'm glad they've got that chance i uh, yeah I, i don't see any other reason you know you find every other reason to put the rock on a pay per view or uh, on a show when you can, when he's available, and and um, Mister, uh, you can't see me. Uh, they can trot him out there after months and months away, um, you know. And obviously, that's not injury based, but but still, you know, you want to trot those guys out. You like using those established names, so uh, why you wouldn't do that for a guy like Edge? Uh, I'm sorry, Adam Copeland. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get Tony Khan in trouble. Um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't get the logic other than just covering your ass. Well, speaking of John Cena, that brings us to our next uh, bit of news here. Uh, next week, Dynamite is going to be uh, preempted on Wednesday by the baseball playoffs because TNT um, and TBS, the Turner Networks, or the Warner Brothers Discovery Networks, I guess, if now. 
they uh, they broadcast playoff baseball. So Dynamite next week is losing is moving to Tuesday, which of course puts it head to head with NXT. And this is the is this the first time they've been head to head since the quote unquote Wednesday Night Wars ended? I so. Or I believe so. Yeah. So. Um. AEW is going to be doing their Battle of the Belts event, with, where they put you know almost all of the titles on the line, and NXT is responding. They're counter programming it with announcing that next next week on uh, NXT there's going to be appearances by John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Becky Lynch, who is now the NXT Women's Champion, and Asuka. Oh, and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's going to be there, too. Um, so WWE is, you know, putting in some pretty heavy hitters to try and get the the ratings up for next Tuesday against AEW. Um, and you know what? I mean, if you look at the ratings, NXT has really been doing some pretty impressive numbers lately. And the quality uh, of matches. I, I've been watching some of the NXT, mainly the pay-per-views that they've been, or the the... Premium live events that uh, yeah that they've been doing, and the quality since they stopped being the yellow and black uh, or the black and gold version, the quality of it has risen a lot since they went from black and gold to the you know the day glow colors or whatever it is now. It's um, NXT is has the the quality has really improved and. I, to me, next Tuesday, well, I'm going to be at work, so I'm not going to be able to see it. But the people who will see it live, it's an opportunity to, for it to be like back in the Monday Night Wars era, where you're flipping between channels to see what's going on on each show, or recording one and watching the other one live and going back and watching the other one. It's It's competition, man. And this is what we've been wanting. We've been wanting, you know the best out of both companies and be entertained as such. This is nothing but a, but good. And I think it's going to bring the best out of both companies. Whether whoever wins the ratings out of that night, it's secondary. All I want is good wrestling. You know, I, I want good programming. And that should be what uh, the fans should be wanting too. You know it's not going to happen online because the IWC is tribalistic as fuck but and they're going to be you know rooting for their which whichever team that they support but you know say NXT gets like 800 or 900,000 viewers and AEW gets like just as much that means a shit ton of people are watching wrestling that night and that's a good thing if you're if you're a fan so yeah that's my take um how about you, Bob? What are, what are your thoughts on next Tuesday with both shows going head to head? I think it's funny because, like you said, uh, you know, first the word gets out that next or uh, that AEW is going to be delayed to Tuesday, uh, moved over to Tuesday because of the baseball playoffs, and NXT quickly responds with, "Hey, uh, Carmelo Hayes is wrestling Braun Baker, and Braun will have Paul Heyman in his corner, and." And uh, John Cena will be there in Carmelo's corner. And then Cody Rhodes will be there to announce a major announcement. And Asuka's going to be there to wrestle Roxanne. And it's just like, oh, well played. Get the eyes on your product. 
and quickly uh, AEW responds by announcing a lot of major matches for the show, <laughs> and um, it's just like okay, it's like uh, it's like a battle of chess going on, and it's definitely uh, the the victors are the uh, the fans of wrestling. So it's um, some people might call it pettiness, but some people call it you know a really well played game of chess, and we'll see who ends up uh, winning besides the fans. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both to me. Um, I mean, I think this goes back even further. Um, it just might be the timing and the coincidence of it all, but you go back a week ago, uh, a lot of buzz and, and back and forth. Oh, uh, you know, eight, uh, WWE uh, took Jade Cargill from AEW, so uh, look, now they're all coming over here. They're all going to come to WWE. Ha, ha, ha. Then... AEW responds, well, we got one of your Hall of Famers, ha, ha, ha. And then, you know, now we're now we're going to go up against you on Tuesday and, and bring out uh, some big names, ha, ha, ha. Well, we're going to respond with these matches, you know, in this announcement. And, yeah, it's, it's very reminiscent of uh, what we knew, you know, back in the day with the Monday Night Wars. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting for everyone. Uh, I don't think it's going to, you know, move the needle one way or the other. I think people are pretty loyal to to what they're watching. Um, I find it interesting. I mean, I know, again, it's about getting eyeballs on the television, but what, what John Cena has to do with NXT, or Cody for that matter, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, having Asuka on, it makes sense since she came through there. You know, I might have maybe taken some of the... NXT alumni who made it to the main roster, who are, who are big stars now, I would have maybe put them in there more than two guys who've never had anything to do with NXT. May, the Cody maybe, and I missed it. I don't think so. I think Dusty might have been involved, but um, so that that's my only critique of that is, I mean, obviously again, I, I saw a meme that The Undertaker uh, might make an appearance because they're getting all the big names to joking of course um yeah you know but but yeah it's uh it's interesting and i'm i'm pretty sure it's it's stuck in vince's cross uh that um that back in the day you know dynamite did better numbers than, than nxt but then you know you have to take it with a grain of salt because your a show is going up against the other guy's c show so uh, you know you can only crow about that win to a fault uh, to to a degree, so, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what everybody puts forward in a couple of days. We shall see. All right, well, that's the news for this week, and let's get to the task at hand. Um, as we did uh, about a month ago, uh, once a month now on the show, we will be doing uh, pay per view reviews. We're going to go back into the time machine and pick a certain pay-per-view every month to review. And this being, you know, October, um, beginning of fall, uh, let's see. We Originally, we were going to do a Halloween Havoc, but we decided to push that back till the end of this month because we will get another opportunity to do a pay-per-view review in the month of October. So instead of doing... Halloween Havoc, 
we will do a Fall Brawl, which is another old WCW pay-per-view stalwart from back in the day. And the, I picked the year of Fall Brawl 1998. And the reason I did this is because Fall Brawl 98 is infamous for being one of the worst pay-per-views. Not just in WCW history, but professional wrestling history as a whole. Um, and I figure, what the fuck? Let's let's go back in the time machine and just skewer one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. And that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. We are going to give you our thoughts on Fall Brawl 1998. All right. Fall Brawl 1998. It came to us on September 13th, 1998 from the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um. Yeah, this this pay per view, if you want to call it that, um, it's a was yeah. This is if you go back in the time machine and you see what was going on in WCW around this time in August of 1998, they decided it would be a great idea to bring back the Ultimate Warrior, and I remember the. Adam, you were with you, we were over at our friend Randy's house. Remember this? Yes. Um, I know it's going to. Yeah. Yes, we were at our friend Randy's house watching Nitro. That um, the day it was the night that uh, the Warrior came back, and I remember just being excited, it's like holy shit, they're bringing back the Ultimate Warrior. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> so we're what. You know, we're, we're, we're watching that Nitro, and I forget, like, I, was it me or you? Like, was it, I, I think it was me and you went somewhere, or was it me and Randy? I'm not sure. But, you know, we had to leave and go somewhere. Uh, I know to the pick exact some... details. Okay, you, you take it away then. <laughs> so, uh, we lived about 10 or 15 minutes from each other, if you recall, and Randy lived close yeah. to you. We were going by his house. Uh, so uh, an individual, should we name nameless, uh, and you uh, came to get me from my place, and I had just seen the warrior uh, show up on Nitro when you got me. I'd maybe seen two or three minutes of it and then got in the car. 10 to 15 minute drive to buddy Randy's house and Randy has nitro on at his house as you mentioned and the warrior was still fucking talking yeah we went and from we, one end we of we walked in and he had it on and we're like he's still fucking talking yeah we went from one on by yeah we went from one end of Oak Park Illinois yes <laughs> to the to the opposite end picked up Adam went back to the south side of Oak Park and the fucking warrior, we left when he was coming to the ring, I remember that, picked you up, and by the time we got back to Randy's house, like you said, it was about a 20, 25 minute ride, round trip, by the time we got back, he was still in the fucking ring, cutting his promo, and I'm just like, he's he's still talking? He's like, have they cut to commercial or anything? He's like, no, it's just been him rambling on for fucking 25 minutes in the goddamn ring. And there were a bunch of college students who probably had cirrhosis of the liver from doing shots every time the warrior used the word I. Yeah. So that kind of got the whole thing off on a really bad foot. 
And as as if you were around back then, you would remember WCW doing the vignettes with uh, Warrior and the One Warrior Nation. Remember that? The OWN. And um, he, the One Warrior Nation being the Warrior. And he would also have the... Um, what, what was Ed Leslie's uh, fucking nickname? The Disciple. The Disciple. Uh, the Disciple was, you know, Ed Leslie, Hulk Hogan's lackey for pretty much his entire career. Um, he was playing like a roadie for the NWO. And the warrior kidnaps him and kind of brainwashes him. And the one warrior nation is basically just the ultimate warrior and a brainwashed Ed Leslie. Literally, score. that's all it was. Yeah. Vampires, yeah. too. But, um... All of this leads up to um, the Warriors' first match back, which happens at this event, Fall Brawl 98, inside the the double ring cage that is War Games. They're going to do a War Games match um, between Team NWO Hollywood, which consisted of Hollywood Hogan, Stevie Ray, and... and Bret Hart against NWO Wolfpack, which was Kevin Nash. Um, who else was it? it was Sting Kevin Nash, Luger. Sting, and Luger against Team WCW, which was the Warrior, Roddy Piper, and um, God, who was the third? Uh, oh, Diamond Dallas, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page. Um. And we'll get into that fucking shit show at the end, because that's the main event. But, yeah, this is, you know, the whole thing kind of hinges on the Warrior making his comeback. That was the big attraction to get people to buy this pay-per-view. The pay-per-view starts off. Actually, Chris Jericho comes out, and uh, he cuts a promo on Bill Goldberg, talks shit about him, whatever, and says that, you know, he's, he's got something for Goldberg later tonight. Um, but that kind of leads into our first match. And our first match is the British Bulldog and Jim DeAnvil Nightheart versus Bob's Boy, the Disco Inferno, and Alex Wright. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, what, as this match was going on, I was not sure who the fucking heel team was supposed to be. Because, I mean, you would think it was Disco and Alex Wright because they were trying, they were doing heelish shit throughout the entire match. But Bulldog and Anvil were getting fucking heat as well just for being there, it looked like. Um, there was a, a, just a bunch of, like, sloppiness throughout this whole match. You know... I, I, one of the big things was there was a really bad-looking stun gun that the Bulldog did to Disco Inferno. That was just, gah. And um, this was the match, uh, infamously, where Bulldog hurt his back, right? He was body-slammed onto the trap door that the Warrior would later come out in during the War Games match. I, I've i seen that before, so I know when it happened. But it didn't seem to really uh, be much of a factor. It's not like Bulldog was double over in pain and couldn't move. Uh, that, But he said that that was the instance 
later on in his career where he just, you know, that's what blew his back out and basically cost him a lot of his career was this instance where he got body slammed on the trap door. Um, just looking at this man, like, Bulldog looks horrible. He's just fucking bloated and just does not look good throughout this match. Uh, it's just a horrible match. Uh, well, not horrible. I, I'd say more middling than horrible. It's, you could sit word. through it. It, it kind of seemed like a, like a Nitro match that was on a pay-per-view. It just didn't really need to be there. Bulldog ended up getting the win after putting a power slam on Disco, and that was it. It was really a nothing match. I give it like a C minus. It's just middling. It just didn't really need to be there. Um, what are your thoughts on the match, Bob? Like like you said it exactly. It was just a unnecessary match that didn't need to be on the card. It was more filler than anything else. You do notice when Bulldog hurts himself because he's backdropped by Alex Wright and he lands directly right on his left hip when he does. And then if you notice at the end when he tries to do the power bomb, he it takes him like three times, or like the power slam, it takes him like three times to lift Disco up because he couldn't get him up on uh, up in the air. Um, Nightheart was boring during the match. Alex Wright, his dancing moves, like you said, you really didn't know who they were trying to pull over as the heels, and then the announcers kept saying that, well, remember Bulldog and Nightheart showed up and they attacked Luger and they were trying to get Bret Hart on their side, and Bret Hart turned them down, and yeah, I guess that was the only way that they were trying to get them over as heels, um, but yeah, it was just uh, a garbage of a match. You, I think you were being generous with a C-, minus. I'd give it a, you know, a, at least a D. <laughs> All right. How about you, Adam? What are your thoughts on the opening match? Yeah, I tried to be a little more lenient. I think I was probably too nice with my grades only because it was a different era. Um, you know, um, if it were a match I saw today, I'd probably be a lot more critical of these. I tried to take into account that, A, it was 25 years ago, and, B, it was WCW, so my level of expectation is already in the shitter. Um so, yeah, as, as you mentioned, uh, both Bulldog and Nightheart just look bad. Um, if, if you, and I'm a huge Heart Foundation mark, as anyone who's watched the, uh, listened to this podcast for a few minutes knows. But yeah, they're, they're in bad shape. Uh, you can see why Vince, uh, had no problem letting them go when the screw job happened. Although Davey Boy Smith, I think, had to pay 150 grand to get out of his deal. Nightheart, they just let go. Uh, they were out of shape, bloated, like you said. Uh, the uh, the demons were, were catching up to them. I couldn't stand either Alex Wright or Disco Inferno. So uh, I'm like, yeah, this is all. Why, why is this match taking place? You could have done a, a cruiserweight match to get the crowd into it more. Um, I will say, though, as out of shape as he was, nobody sells a kick to the chest like the British Bulldog. Nobody. Just then. <laughs> <laughs> Overselling makes me laugh. Uh, so I yeah. note about that. But yeah, uh, I, I'll give it a C minus. It's not the worst I've seen. It's not the worst show on the uh, on the card, but uh, it's certainly not one I'll ever watch again. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you and give it a, a C minus. Yeah. Well, after this match, then we do another backstage bit. Uh, mean Gene is interviewing Scott Steiner backstage. Steiner has a doctor's note saying that he can't wrestle his brother Rick tonight. 
Uh, but J.J. Dillon calls bullshit on it, rips up the note, and reminds him of what he told him at Rolled Wild, which was the pay-per-view prior, that if he doesn't wrestle Rick tonight, that he'll be banned from WCW for life. And you look at that and it's like, oh, banned from WCW for life. That would only be about two years and change from from this point until WCW's out of business. So even if he was banned for life, it really wouldn't be for that long. And he'd still get a um, paycheck. Yeah, that's true too. Um, next match, we have Chris Jericho coming out and uh, makes his entrance to the ring, but... You know Jericho is hilarious throughout this whole this whole sequence. He's doing the he's doing the play on the spinal tap thing where he keeps on getting lost yeah, backstage good. while trying to find the ring. You know he goes outside. He doesn't. He goes to a room. It's the catering room. He go, He's like he's got the the Jericho personal security with him, which is Ralphus and some other jobber. And um, you know he comes out and. The fire, the pyro doesn't really work for him, and so he starts getting all pissed off. It's fucking, it's hilarious. Jericho's doing his best to, to be like the the conceited, spoiled Jericho character that he was in WCW, and um, he comes out and you know poses, and all of a sudden Goldberg's music hits, and the crowd starts going ape shit. You know, it's like, oh, it's Goldberg, Goldberg, Goldberg. And it come, you know, of course, it's not Goldberg who comes out. It's some jobber imposter, Goldberg, who's like about six inches shorter than Jericho, if you can even explain, you know, even get that. And he comes out, and I love the look on Jericho's face when imposter Goldberg comes out. He's got like a real look of worry on his face. <laughs> He's selling it up to the crowd like, oh, my God, it's Goldberg. I don't know if I'm going to. If I'm going to make this. Um, but, of course, it's a squash match. Jericho puts him in the walls, or uh, puts him in the lion tamer in quick set, in quick succession, and that's it. It's a nothing match. It's a, you know, it's a squash match just meant to uh, move along the, the thing between Jericho and Goldberg. I give it a C, and that's only because of Jericho's performance. He was making me laugh my ass off during this whole thing. He's he's the one who really sells it. But um yeah, it's just, it's a nothing match. So I don't it's really hard to grade it. I would it would get an F if not for Jericho basically. Uh Adam, what are your thoughts on this quote unquote match? I just had a historical question about this. Was Gilbert after this? Gilbert was after, yeah. Okay. In, when they made the yeah, in WWE. Uh, yeah, so they kind of stole that. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned earlier the beginning of the show where he makes the challenge, and he's calling Gene Okerlund Gene Mean, which I thought was great. Uh, Jericho was just gold at this time, and uh, I think this is probably about the time Vince McMahon and or people around him are like, we should get this guy, this guy's great. Uh, he was really funny then. Uh, obviously, a great wrestler was coming into his own. Uh, so that was uh, that was a bright light, and otherwise was a dismal three-hour experience watching this. Um, you know, he had he had a he had a lot going for him, and I guess the legend is is that Goldberg didn't think Jericho was on his level. And we were talking earlier about establishing new guys in AEW, you know, like Hangman, to catch the guys like that so you can 
work with the big names and keep things fresh, and that's what they should have done here. But of course, politics got the better of it. So uh, that's one of many reasons he had the two years that JJ referenced earlier. So uh, I'll give this a B minus because of him, just like you. Um, it was a good little showcase from the match was was nothing but uh, I enjoyed that and the spinal tap stuff uh, uh, it was the third best thing I saw all night all right how about you Bob I uh, I agree with you guys um, especially when Adam said you know this is right around the time that Jericho decided that he didn't want to be in WCW anymore just because this was his idea to start pitching a feud with Goldberg and Goldberg came out and said no you're not on my level so it's from there that he kind of just got tired of WCW um, like I said it, it was hilarious his intro what bothered me and obviously if you remember um, Peacock is run by the WWE his entrance to music was break the walls down I noticed yeah. that and I was like whoa whoa hold on the song wasn't out yet, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on here? Yeah. That was one of the first things that caught my, my ear, but then I remember watching all the old ECW pay-per-views and how they had to dub over the music there, too, so um, just because of that, I'll go with the C, just because it was a squash. Um, you know, Jericho was hilarious, but they couldn't even give him his old music, which wasn't really anything big anyway, so. Yeah, what was Jericho's? I was going to ask you guys, yeah. I don't, I don't really that, remember that was the day where they had kind of like the cheap knockoffs of like grunge music. They did, yeah. But they edited, they edited other music as they as it went through, so it was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. I actually made a note of that. The Peacock replaced his music with his WWE music, but eh, even still, it's uh, I yeah. Jericho saves it, but it's really just a nothing match. Uh, next up, we got Lee Marshall doing an interview with Rick Steiner backstage for the WCW website. And um, this segment just looks kind of like a cheap episode of Dr. Phil with Lee Marshall like being all serious. Like, oh, Rick, you know, you're going up against your brother tonight. and This must be really hard for you. And Rick Steiner is doing his best to be all solemn about it and... It's fucking Rick Steiner. What the, you know? It's, did anyone did anyone notice Chucky over uh, looking over? No, okay. no, no. I didn't notice Chucky. You didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're talking, and eventually they just fade away from it because nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Um, then they cut to a an interview from earlier where Ernest the Cat Miller crashes an interview that the Armstrongs were were uh, were were getting, and you know the Armstrongs like, hey man. We don't get much of these interviews. We don't want you, you know, we don't want you crashing it. And then Ernest's like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll walk away. And he, he goes to walk away, and then he jumps both of them, which prompts Norman Smiley to come out and defend the Armstrongs and issue a challenge to uh, to the Cat. So that's our next match. Ernest the Cat Miller versus Norman Smiley. And, um, yeah, match starts out. Miller gives Norman um, five seconds to leave the ring or else he faces the wrath of the three-time karate champion that is Ernest the Cat Miller. Um, Smiley doesn't go for it. He punches him anyway. Fight begins. I I have, you know, Smiley looks solid here. You know, Norman Smiley, whatever you want to say about him, he's a solid pro wrestler, and he's, you know, he's going to give you his all in a match. 
you can't really say the same for Ernest the Cat Miller at this point in his career. He's still pretty green. He was making a lot of mistakes in the ring. Um, just Norman was doing his best to carry him, but it was just it was just a real mishmash of styles that just didn't really blend all that much. Um, I remember, you know, Ernest the Cat, he goes for a top rope roundhouse kick and fucking misses. So he tries it again off of the ropes and gets and it connects, and that's how they get the three count. It's just it's just really sloppy. Um, I give it a D. Uh, Smiley, he do, he did it like I said, he did his best to carry the cat to a decent match. It's just at this point in his career, Ernest Cat Miller just didn't have the skill set to to do a competent match. Uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on the cat versus Norman Smiley? Another match I thought that was just thrown together, um, unnecessary. Uh, I love Norman Smiley, especially as when he was in the hardcore division. He was fucking hilarious when he would do the big wiggle and stuff. He was one of my dad's favorites. But um, you, you nailed it with that top rope spin kick that he does. He completely misses it. And then if you get a chance to see it, when he misses it, Norman actually puts his head down and starts laughing. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and then... Uh, you know, he gets back up, and then he, he nails it the second time, and then the match is over. But, yeah, if you get a chance to check that out again, I've, I hope you don't. But, uh, yeah, he completely missed it. <laughs> Norman starts laughing, which is fucking hilarious. And then uh, the match is over, so it was like, I, I give it a D just because it was a waste of time. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Uh, which call it? First of all, I want to defend Eric Bischoff a little bit. You know, they always talked about his bloated roster. You had the Armstrongs on a pay-per-view. I mean, come on. I, I'm like, oh yeah, the Armstrongs were there, so that was that was that was a treat. Um, if you like punches, you like kicks, you like a lot of them. Some that land, some that don't. Uh, this match is for you. Um, this match was not for me. Um, I, I look at Norman Smiley, and I just keep seeing Tim Reed from WKRP in Cincinnati. I think they look kind of alike. Um, and that's about all I really have to say about it. It was pretty goddamn boring. Uh, but there were worse matches than this on the card, so I'll give it a D plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trending in a bad way for this fucking pay-per-view, and it gets much worse. Because <laughs> the next match, goddamn, it is the match between Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner. You know, Scott, at this point, he's a member of the NWO. He and Buff Bagwell are tight. Buff is in his corner. Um, yeah, match begins. They brawl all around the ring. Adam, you were talking about kicks and punches in the last match. Holy shit. If you didn't get enough kicks and punches in, in that last match, you sure got a lot of them in this match. Uh, kicks, punches, clotheslines. You know, the Steiners are known for their agility in the ring when they were a tag team. You don't see that shit in this match. This is just, yeah, this is just a punch and kick fest throughout the entire time. Um, What's it called? You know, Buff, of course, he's uh, interfering for for Scott. He, you know, he he low blows Scott or Rick at one point while... uh, or no, Scott low blows Rick while uh, Buff is distracting the ref. Just a lot of shenanigans. Uh, but then comes the point in the match where Rick gets his hands on Buff and ramps his head into the turnbuckle, and Buff just lays there on the apron. 
Scott and uh, you know Scott and Rick continued their match, and um, after a while, Scott notices that Buff isn't moving, and the doctors notice it too. So the match kind of comes to a screeching halt, and the referees checking on Buff. The doctors are checking on Buff. Scott's checking on Buff. Rick is actually just standing there looking kind of worried. Um, well, he's looking worried in between bouts of, like, standing over Buff and screaming, you better not be a lion. Um, you know, he's doing that a lot. This whole sequence, the cam, th- they never cut away from this. Never. <laughs> the announcers are acting like somebody just fucking died. It's, this is nuts. I, okay, this goes on literally for about 10 minutes where the the ambu- you know the paramedics come out they stabilize buff bagwell they put him on a gurney and you know they have the the neck brace on him and they stabilize him like he actually injured his neck and this just this slow as fucking molasses this entire process and you follow it throughout every beat the camera never cuts away from it Finally, they get Buff on the gurney after what feels like fucking 20 minutes. And they start wheeling in backstage. And the camera's still following him this entire fucking time. Bischoff's there when they get backstage. And he starts walking with them back back there. They're really trying to sell this as like a legit injury. And they finally get to the ambulance and they put Buff in there. Scott's all worried. He jumps back in there, too. Rick is like, once they close the doors, Rick turns around. He's, like, rubbing his head. like, oh, God, I hope he's really not hurt. Like, two seconds after they close the door, both Steiner and Buff get out and start beating the shit out of Rick. And, you know, the announcer's like, oh, my God, the, the dastard, how dare they do this? That's That's beneath even, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've never seen anything so dastardly. And they start beating the shit out of out of Rick backstage, and then that's it. That's it. They cut away from it, and then I'm they like, cut away. <laughs> yeah. Then they cut away, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just see? I saw three minutes of a horrible wrestling match, followed by like twenty minutes of you know rescue nine one one, and in real time. And then an NWO jump at the end for like two seconds, and then the match is done. This this is F minus. F minus, 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 minus. This is the worst fucking match I've ever seen in my life. Just a complete fucking waste of time. If I had ordered this pay-per-view, I would have cut it off right there and demanded my fucking money back. This was bad. Bullshit! Oh my god i I just was just watching this on Peacock, and I got pissed off twenty five years later that I was watching this shit. It is horrible. Um, Adam, it's your turn to give your two cents on this one. What What are your thoughts on this match? You covered it pretty well. Um, you know, this was no Owen versus Bret Hart or Matt versus Jeff Hardy. Um, you know, you got a little intrigue. Um, you actually have a little bit of story background going into this match, unlike the first three, because it's brother versus brother, and the whole Scott joins the NWO, turns on his brother. So there is a little bit of intrigue, but it stops there. 
uh, once the bell rings. I had to write down this comment. Uh, I love Tony Schiavone to death. I'm glad he's doing some great things in W in uh, AEW now. Uh, but man, did he suck back then. Uh, he looks all of about 12 years old in this show to begin with. But um, as you mentioned, uh, the bell rings and they start punching and kicking each other. And uh, Tony says, there's more action in the first 45 seconds than we've seen in some time. Boo. And I'm like, so you're saying, he's even saying the pay-per-view sucks ass so far because that first 45 seconds is better than anything we've seen for the first hour. Yeah. Uh, so that, that just that just tells you what you need to know there. Uh, I'm sorry, Slash can rock a top hat. Buff Bagwell has no business wearing a top hat. Um, that's really about all I have to say. Tony Tony nailed it to a T. I, I had to watch this match in parts three times. They fell asleep uh, the first two times. And, th- yeah, that stuff with the with the stretcher, putting him on the stretcher, all that crap, it, it was like you could have put two more matches in the show instead of had that shit. And, uh, yeah, um, it was boring as hell and unnecessary as hell. And, um, again, uh, a lot of things on this pay-per-view are, are, you know, if you were going to court to say, uh, to prove why WCW went out of business, you've got exhibit A, B, C, D. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, an F. How about you, Bob? Your thoughts on Steiner versus Steiner. I'm just disappointed that both of you guys left out the fact that when they were taking him on the stretcher and pulling him in the ambulance, he kept telling people for someone to call his mother. That's right. Yeah, that's Rudy right. Bagwell needed to know what was going on. The WCW Hall of Famer Judy Bagwell needed to be informed. <laughs> and the fact that both of you guys left it out was disappointing. Um, my, but yes, my, my bad, my bad. I uh, I agree with you guys in the uh, F minus category because it was just it was very bad. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, that needs to be said. And the less said, the less said about it, honestly, the better. All right, let's get to our next match. Uh, nice little palate cleanser here. You have Silver King versus the uh, cruiserweight champion Juventud Guerrera in a nice lucha match here to get things going after the uh, the fucking debacle that was the, the match prior. And the three um, before it. Yeah, and the three before it. You know, it's a so- solid lucha match. It gets a little slow in the middle, you know, when Silver King is, is doing his thing. As people know, Silver King, uh, very, you know, very popular uh, Mexican lucha wrestler. You also may know him as Ramses, Ramses. In, uh, in Nacho Libre. That's right. And um, unfortunately, um, a few years ago, he ended up dying in the ring during a match. But uh, he was on his he was on his game in this match. It was, uh, you know, it, like I said, it, it get kind of it got kind of slow because Silver King, while a great lucha wrestler. He, you could kind of tell he was having a hard time keeping up with Juventud, because Juventud's very fast. Um, but you know, like I said, this is a nice palate cleanser. Uh, I, I noted that uh, my my favorite spot of the night was uh, Juventud. He hit a inverted Hurricane Rana, which was really nice, and then he wins it with a four fifty splash. 
Uh, I give it a B, a B, solid B match, decent. Uh, and I also set, I put a note here. It looked like Flair Steamboat compared to the last match. Uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on Silver King versus Juventud Guerrera? Silver King died in 2019 in the ring while wrestling who, Tony? Oh, shit. Who was he wrestling? Um, Juventud Guerrera. Was Correct. it Hoovy? Yes, oh, it was. I, oh, okay. He died nice. from a sudden heart attack uh, during the match. Just randomly had a heart attack, unfortunately, during the match, and he died. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. It was the most tolerable match to that point. My problem is I go back and I look at two things. I go back and I look at the roster that WCW had, and they had some dude on the roster named Rey Mysterio Jr., who was not on that pay-per-view, but yet could have wrestled instead of Silver King that night. And then the very next night, Juventud Guerrero defends the title and loses it to someone named Billy Kidman who also does a cameo during that pay-per-view, but could have wrestled Juventud on that card instead of the next night on Nitro and had a hell of a match. Um, I'll give it a, a C-plus, just in a generous aspect. But, um, yeah. That's where it goes. How about you, Adam? Uh, uh, one note I took of this match... Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go Flair Steamboat, but I said way better pacing than the first four matches. Uh, and I also made a note of the racist motherfuckers at ringside when they did a spot outside that were chanting Taco Bell. Ah, uh, the late nineties. Yeah, racist pricks. Uh, so that was awful. Uh, and then the other thing that pissed me off was uh, maybe for the first half of the match, uh, they didn't call any attention to Silver King or to Hoovy. They were talking about the Rick Steiner Buff Bagwell shit uh, that had transpired before it, which I thought was asinine um, until Mike Tanay finally said, we should probably give attention to this match. I'm like, thank you, Mike, because, you know, nobody gives a shit about the last match. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I, it was uh, wasn't the best Lucha match I've ever seen, uh, but um, you know it was compared to what we've seen so far. It was great. Um, it was it was one of the best on the show. I'll give it a B. Yeah, I yeah, like I said, just definitely needed after that last match. But yeah, after after the match, we go back again to Lee Marshall. Interviewing yes. Conan backstage for play. the WCW website, but as he's doing this, drunk ass Scott Hall comes back there, drink in hand, and throws his drink in Conan's face, and that's it. You know, Conan doesn't go after him; that he just throws a drink in his face, and then it cuts cuts away. Kind of goes hand in hand with this this pay per view as a whole. Just nothing fucking makes sense, but it does lead to a match between Conan and Scott Hall later. But before we get to that match, let's give you our fifth match, which is Raven versus Saturn. Um, There's a stipulation in this match. If Saturn loses, he becomes a permanent servant to Raven. But if Raven loses, then the flock is set free. Um, So they start up. Canyon is handcuffed to the turnbuckle so he doesn't interfere. You also have Lodi 
you know, who is a member of the flock at this point, carrying his signs, also interfering in the match. And it's under Raven's rules, so anything goes. If there is if there is interference from Lodi, it's totally legal. Uh, no disqualifications. Uh, also, I, I put down Raven wearing a Sabotage shirt. I had it, too. Yeah. <laughs> dead when you're dead, man. That's right, man. Oh, man. Lots of back and forth action, you know. Like I said, there's frequent interference from Lodi. Uh, at one, at this is the highlight of the match, really. The flock comes out with the table, and the flock being Horace Boulder, <laughs> Horace Hogan, uh, Sick Boy, and Riggs. They have a table, and they set it up on the outside. But while they're doing this, Billy Kidman comes out, goes to the top rope, and gets a missile drop kick in on Raven. So Billy Kidman becomes the first member of the flock to rebel against Raven. And after he missile dropkicks Raven, uh, the rest of the flock chase him out to the back. And the crowd popped huge for Kidman uh, dropkicking Raven. That really kind of gets the ball rolling on this match big time. Um, You know, Saturn fights back. He puts the rings of Saturn on Raven. And I I always loved the rings of Saturn... uh, uh, submission move. It's a really cool looking move. Uh, Lodi breaks it up. Uh, there's a ref bump and during the ref bump, Canyon steals the key to the handcuffs out of the ref's pocket. Gets unlocked and while the ref is down, he hits the flatliner on Saturn. Locks himself back up. Revives the ref. Raven covers him and only gets the two count. And when he kicks out at two again, the crowd is 100% behind this match. Uh, that gets a really big pop. Um, after all this, Saturn does a Death Valley driver uh, of on Lodi into the table at the outside of the ring. Um, Saturn gets back in the ring. Raven hits him with the even flow DDT, which is Raven's finisher. So you're thinking, oh, shit. After all this, you know, Saturn's going to lose. But no, Raven kicks out of the even flow. And then Saturn hits him with the Death Valley driver and wins the match. Raven is defeated. The the flock has gone free. I give this match a solid B plus. It is the is definitely the match of the night. Um, the crowd is a hundred percent behind it, and you know this is the peak. It does not get any better tonight. After this, you know, it didn't get better before it, and it definitely doesn't get better after it. Yeah, a definite B plus for me for this match. Adam, what were your thoughts on Raven versus Saturn? Yeah, I agree. That uh, this was my favorite match. Um, yeah, awesome. You spotted the sabotage shirt. Uh, my wife happened to be sitting in the room uh, when this match was on, and she said, "Is this guy supposed to be a grunger? Is that his gimmick?" I said, "Yeah, kind of." He's yeah, and I told. I told her about Johnny Polo and everything, and I think she was sorry she asked me after I gave her the answer. Um, But anyway, um, two ECW alums, um, and it showed in this match. They knew how to work a match, um, how to get the crowd involved. As you said, the crowd was really hot for this match. Saturn was really over. This I I would say this is probably the peak of Saturn here because he was so over with the WCW crowd. He got a big W. Um, and then I, I get sad when I think what was in store for him down the road uh, in WWE. But uh, my favorite Lodi sign was the uh, Saturn is bald. That was my favorite sign that he had. 
Um, but yeah, a uh, lot of good action. He actually got a table involved in the WCW match, and yeah, all sorts of different elements into it because of the Ravens rules. You mentioned Kidman being a part of it and the entire flock. Uh, it was just a fun match to watch. Like If I saw it today, I'd be like, oh, that was pretty good still. So, um, yeah, I'm giving this a B plus, and yes, it definitely was my match of the night. All right. How about you, Bob? Your thoughts on Raven versus Saturn? I agree 100%. This was easily the match of the night. Um, <clears throat> first time the crowd was into a match. First time the crowd wasn't just randomly chanting, we want flair out of nowhere. <laughs> um, a lot of false finishes towards the end, like you described it, you know, the Death Valley driver and the Rings of Saturn and, you know, the even flow DDT, like all those moves and people were kicking out. It was just exciting uh, move after move. So, um, yeah, it was one of those ones that actually piqued my interest when I was actually watching the match and got me involved in it. So, uh, easily, best match of the night. Uh, I'll go with the B+. Plus. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to my notes here. This leads us to our next match which is Dean Malenko versus Kurt Henning. Uh, Henning has Rick Rude in his corner. Apparently, they've been building up this storyline for a while, but this match was not originally supposed to be on the pay-per-view. Uh, they put it in at the last second because they kind of had to pad time uh, between this and um, the rest of the card. So this got thrown in at the last second. Um, the big thing, the big note I had here... There's a shot at the outside. Um, Rude was helping the limping Henning outside, and the cameraman is kind of walking backwards as this is happening. I got and he that fucking, down too. Yeah, and he fucking trips, yeah. and they don't cut away from it. <laughs> the, the camera angle is just like, yeah, you just see the camera going back, back, back. All of a sudden, you just see the cameraman, his feet like go ass over tea kettle, and you see his feet fly up in the air, and... It takes like a good five seconds before they switch to another camera. Oh, good old WCW, uh, you know, production. Um, This whole time, Malenko is working on Henning's knee. They really are selling that Henning has a knee injury Um, to the point where at the end of the match, Henning goes for a perfect plucks, but he can't get Malenko up because his knee's all fucked up. Instead, Malenko hits his own version and then Rude breaks the count, and that gets a DQ, and that's it. The match ends, you know, in a dis- disqualification because Rude broke up the pin. So, you know, kind of like that kind of ending. Uh, then Rude and Henning start beating up Malenko, which brings in Arn Anderson for the save. But then they just turn their attentions to Arn and beat the shit out of him, too, and they leave both of them just lying in the ring, and that's it. Yeah. D. Grade, I give, is a D. It's just fucking pointless. You know, they're, they're building the storyline of Malenko and Henning, and if this is the payoff match, then you just wasted all that time because this match was nothing. And that sucks considering the two guys who were in there and the talent that they have. Uh, Bob, what is your thoughts on Malenko versus Henning? You just nailed it with that last sentence, Hadeep, because the talent that you had in that match, I mean, two great wrestlers, Dean Malenko, 
in the class by himself. Kurt Henning was definitely up there amateur wrestling-wise. Very, very skilled in the ring. This is one of those matches where they use psychology in the match with him attacking the knee and continuing to work on the knee. And like you said, it was supposed to be a payoff. It was the NWO feuding with the Horsemen, Malenko fighting for the Horsemen rights there, and Kurt Henning had turned on Ric Flair at the, you know, slamming the cage door on his head and all that other stuff. And th- this is just boom. That's it. No clear winner. Dusty finish. You have Rick Rude come in. Sweaty ass Rick Rude to begin with, if you remember his shirt. Was <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, damn, damn shame. I mean, if you had a, a really good technical match, you could have gotten rid of fucking Disco and the Bulldog and all that at the beginning and. Uh, Ernest, the Cat Miller, and, and Norman Smith, and you could have gave these guys another 10, 15 minutes to actually wrestle a match. You know, we would have been talking about a match that would have been countering Raven and Saturn for the match of the night. But nope, this is WCW that we're talking about. So I agree 100% with you. Yeah. How about you, Adam? I feel like uh, there should be some sort of Saturday Night Live sketch, you know, like that's so WCW and just show that moment with the cameraman and just have someone come on and go, that's so WCW, you know, with what the hell, right? It's just grade A, you know, people whined about ECW having no production value and it was dark and, and, and it looked amateurish. I'm like, well, at least their cameraman could stay on their fucking feet. Um, yeah, wasted uh, potential is what I would uh, deem this match. Um, I was a little more generous with my grade because, you know, what we got was still better than most of what we got on the show, so I gave it a C plus. But um, it could have been so much more. The ending was abrupt and like, what the hell kind of thing. You know, as everyone knows, I'm a I'm a Rick Rude Mark, so it was cool to see him in there. I had forgotten that he was with uh, Henning at that point in time. He got very physical in that match too, so you know, it makes you wonder uh, if he was. Uh, leaning towards a comeback before uh, he sadly passed, probably about six months after this this show. Um, yeah, and he was very sweaty. Um, I saw a great sign uh, during this match, uh, Big Sexy JR, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, it, it could have been a lot better than it was. Um, they they, they kind of dropped, dropped the ball on that. Uh, my six-year-old came in the room and thought it was a great match, though. Oh. She's alone in that, but that's cool. But she's only six. So. Yeah. All right. She, she, well, she, that brings... she thought uh, Henning was legitimately hurt, so they did a good job of. Well, he did his job then, putting yeah. that over on the six-year-old. Well, we go to the next match, and that next match is drunk-ass Scott Hall with Vincent at his side, going up against Conan. Adam, you mentioned that uh, you fell asleep during uh, the the Steiner versus Steiner match. Um, I fell asleep during this fucking match. And you know what? We all came about and we were like, you know what? I think this is the first pay-per-view where all three of us at some point or another during the pay-per-view just fucking fell asleep. Bob, where where did you fall asleep at during? Was it this match? It was this this match when they were walking out. Oh, my God. This fucking. I couldn't. Scott Hall comes out. And he takes forever for him to, to get to the fucking ring to the point where the NWO music runs out and they have to start fucking playing it again. You know, he's he's coming out. Vincent's behind him, like, just shaking his head, like, oh, God, he's drunk. Um, 
He's got a drink in hand that he's like hiding, trying to hide. Vincent takes it away from him, but then he takes it back. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it seems like it takes 15 minutes for him to make it down to, to the point where the NWO music stops. Then, you know, Conan comes out, you know, and, you know, to the Wolfpack music. Crowd's totally behind him. Uh, then they had a spot where, like, right before they started the match, Hall keeps going from one ring to another. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to another ring, Conan follows him, then he goes to the other ring, Conan follows him. And they do this, like, about three or four fucking times, and that's where I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, man. And I I went back and I rewatched it, and it wasn't worth rewatching. Um, there's a cool, there's kind of a funny spot where Hall, uh, Conan beats Hall into in between the 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 rings. He falls into the gap in between both rings, and he has to crawl underneath the ring and get back on the other side. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but other than that, it's just a sloppy ass match. You know, Hall is playing drunk, so of course he's staggering around. But even still. Even if he's playing drunk, he still kind of has a little bit more ability in the ring than Conan had tonight, or at that night, because Conan would just look kind of sloppy to me. He hits a really, uh, you know, he does that rolling lariat that he does. Um, Didn't really look all that clean, but, you know, he hits it anyway. Um, Yeah, Hall tries running away. He, you know... At one point, you know, he goes and gets his drink from Vincent again. Vincent, he's trying to keep the the drink away from him, but not very convincingly because Hall just grabs it away from him. And the end of the match comes where Scott Hall grabs the drink and then Conan, Conan flips it into his face. And then, you know, he hits the rolling lariat and then he puts Scott Hall into the tequila sunrise and Hall taps out. And that's the end of the match. Just fucking boring. Just a boring-ass fucking match. And I wasn't expecting much from this, considering who was involved. But it even with low expectations, it did not meet them. Uh, another, like, D-minus match. It just, there was no point to it. Even, you know, even, like, when they had the backstage segment where Scott Hall threw his drink in Conan's face, that seemed to be the only build-up for this match. This match did not need to be on this card at all. It was just another way to prolong the NWO versus the uh, Wolfpack angle, which, whatever. Yeah, D-minus, this match sucked. Adam, what are your thoughts on uh, Conan versus Scott Hall? Glad you said that. I never understood the appeal of the NWO Hollywood versus NWO um Wolfpack. That whole thing was lame to me. Uh, I didn't quite understand like why the Wolfpack was as over as they were. Uh, Conan was one of the principal reasons why. I just never got into the character whatsoever. Um, at this point in time, as a wrestling fan, uh, you know, I would, I would kind of, you know, we we're talking at the beginning of the show about going back and forth, checking out who's doing what uh, when both promotions are on the same night. Uh, I wasn't watching any WCW at this point. That was just lame as shit to me, and I could care less about the NWO feud. Um, so, um, yeah, the spot where he fell in between the rings was funny. Uh, I think Keenan said, uh, it's a Scott all sandwich hold the mayo, so I got I to gotta laugh out of that. Um, you know, 
other than that, I don't, I don't have a whole whole lot more to say about it. Uh, I was surprised that Hall lost, and he lost cleanly. Um, and, and also just watching it and them making fun of his problems, especially in light of you know the fact that Scott Hall passed a year or two ago uh, due to those problems. Uh, I think it was terrible taste then. Even more, it looks even worse now with the benefit of hindsight. This is a stupid idea. So, yeah, pretty pointless, like you said. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a D. Yeah. It's kind of their version of what WWF did with uh, Road Warrior uh, Hawk. Which was stupid but, as shit, too. Yeah. I just, I never got the reason why they did shit like that. Bob, what's your thoughts on Hall versus Conan? It's very bad. Like you said, not necessary to be in the match. If you realize at the end, um,. He puts him in the te- te- tequila sunrise, and the ref has to jump out, and he screams out for Hall. He starts banging on the on the ring apron for for Hall to tap, and then Hall taps within like five seconds after yeah. being put in the move. So it's like he's being told, "Hey, this is where you have to submit." So he submits. Um, yeah, it was just definitely not necessary. It was, yeah. I kept trying to see if it, what, what he was drinking. It looked like a. Uh, cherry seven up to me but i couldn't make it out so <laughs> yeah surely temple i give it a d yeah it's a waste of a match speaking of a waste of a match we go to our main event yes. which is the war games match and this i think without a doubt has to be the worst war games match in the history of war games matches i agree with like you, i sir. said yeah like i said before um, it's Team NWO Hollywood versus Team Wolfpack versus Team WCW. Um, yeah, this is just a weird fucking match. I remember Michael Buffer comes out at the beginning, and he's explaining the rules. And even it sounds like as he's explaining the rules, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even <laughs> fucking understand what they are. He doesn't um, know. He doesn't care. He's collecting the paycheck. Yeah, and. It's weird because this isn't like your usual War Games match. Usually with the War Games matches, you know, it's five on five. And all ten members have to be in the ring before anybody can get um, pinned or submitted. By the rules that they were explaining with this, that wasn't the case in this one. It's three on three on three, which is nine. Um, And the winner can win at any time, you know. Whoever gets pinned or submitted, uh, is the whoever gets the first pin or submission, is the winner, and that can happen at any time, even before any of the other wrestlers come in. Uh, Of course, that's not how it works out. Everybody does get in, but um, yeah, it's. I'm going to bypass a lot of it because a lot of it is just crap, and let's just get to the point where everybody was really anticipating which was the warrior making his entrance and that was a fucking shit show um you know hogan's in there it. i wasn't anticipating it yeah <laughs> you know everybody's pretty much laid out except uh nwo hollywood and um all of a sudden bunch of fog fills the ring and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on? What's it? And then all of a sudden the fog goes away and there's warrior or quote unquote warrior, you know, beating his chest with his, with his, uh, 
you know, really weird-looking OWN long jacket on, and Hogan jumps him from behind and gets him on the floor and starts, and they start, you know, beating him, and then all of a sudden the fog comes back, obscures everything, and when it goes away, you just see Hogan holding the jacket and the warrior's gone. And everybody's like, where did the warrior go? Where did the warrior go? And all of a sudden the warrior comes out from the ramp and just runs into the ring and starts beating the shit out of Hogan and, and you know, the rest of the NWO uh, Hollywood. Meanwhile, like I'm telling you, while this is happening, everybody else in the match is just laid out and not doing anything. Um, Hogan gets gets out of the ring with the help from the Disciple. Somehow the Disciple has uh, escaped the brainwashing waves of uh, the Ultimate Warrior and is helping Hogan at this point, trying to escape. They lock Warrior into the in in the cage and start going away. So the Warrior climbs up the side of the cage and starts kicking it and kicks it so hard that the side of the cage collapses. And he goes, he gets out and goes after Hogan and the Disciple and starts beating the shit out of both of them until they disappear backstage. But while this is happening, Diamond Dallas Page gets up, hits the Diamond Cutter, and I forget who he hit it on. Maybe Stevie Ray? I don't fucking know. Yes, Stevie Ray. It was Stevie he was Ray. He in the match to take the pin, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So he hits the Diamond Cutter on Stevie Ray. And wins the match, and that's it. So the Warrior payoff is not a payoff. Um, they save that wonder until the next the next pay per view, um, and then you know the winner of this War Games match was going to be awarded a title shot against Goldberg at Halloween Havoc, which was the next pay per view, and that pay-per-view of course was infamous because Diamond Tales Page as we said won more games he has the match with Goldberg at the next pay-per-view and that's the pay-per-view that got cut off before it ended because it ran long and the cable companies ended it right at 10 o'clock like it was supposed to so they had to air the the match again for free on Nitro the next night which pissed off everybody who bought the pay-per-view because you're just re-fucking-broadcasting the main event for free, you fuckers. WCW, people. Just WCW. so WCW. Yeah. And then, like I said, the, the match after between Hogan and the Warrior at Halloween Havoc the next month is widely regarded as one of the worst matches ever, just like Steiner versus Steiner at this pay-per-view. So, Yeah. I give this War, Ma- War Games match another F. It's just doesn't need to exist. The only reason they they did it was to get the Warrior versus Hogan storyline going without either of them taking a pin. And they were just like, oh, well, just give the match to Diamond Dallas Page. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, it, it sucks. F. Yeah, totally. Bob, what is your thoughts on this War Games match? <laughs> um, an F is very, very good. Um, I went back again. I had to look at WCW's roster at the time. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow 
Macho Man Randy Savage, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and we get Stevie Ray. Um, <laughs> War Games, you mentioned it. Five on five. After all ten are in, the match beyond starts. Pinfall submission thing is over. Team versus team. Team WCW, Team NWO Black and White, Team Wolfpack. So, randomly they draw Bret Hart and DDP, like you said. Then we get Stevie Ray that comes in. Then we get Sting. And if you remember, Sting does his, his lovely dive over the top rope and almost falls on his fucking head. Yep. Um, and then here comes Piper. Roddy Piper comes out. And then he starts beating the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Team versus team, but then all of a sudden they say, oh, no, don't forget, this is every man for himself. <laughs> well, then why the fuck? <laughs> why why are there teams? Team versus team versus another team, but it's every man for himself because Piper goes out there and just starts beating the shit out of everybody, including DDP, who was his teammate. Uh, Luger comes out, and I was like, why the hell is he wearing jeans when he's walking out to the ring? <laughs> Kevin Nash comes out. You know, the, the guy used to be a basketball player. You see Kevin Nash jogging to the ring, and it was just like, wow, like that's as fast as you could jog. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulk Hogan does his best Repo Man impersonation where he comes out before the, you know, the clock even strikes his time to come out, and he, he, he gets in there and starts attacking everybody, and then, like you called it, uh, the warrior comes out. Um, Hogan escapes the cage, if you remember, which the whole purpose of having the cage there was so no one could get out, but Hogan escapes the cage. Uh, So then we're left with the warrior wrestling Stevie Ray for a little bit of time in the middle of the ring, which is what everybody wanted to see. Um, And then my favorite part is when the warrior escapes the cage, he he starts kicking it open. Um, Mind you, he's about 10 feet in the air when he's doing this. And then he falls through the top and he, and he legit injures himself. I think he might have broken his ankle when he falls. But he legit falls. The camera work, it was great because it got a little part, portion of when he falls and busts his shit. Like, he falls from the fucking cage to the ground. And then they quickly cut to Hogan. And then they run back and they show a Warrior trying to run over there even though he's visibly hurt. And he's still beating up. Then security comes out and breaks these two guys up. And then that's when it goes to the finish of, like you said, uh, DDP hitting the diamond cutter and matches over. But just what a huge clusterfuck. I mean... <laughs> War Games is something you guys are known for. This is one of your, you know, big um, specialty matches. I mean, you've had so many great ones in the past, and this is what you fucking gave us. Goldberg is your champion. He's not even on the fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, it was just hot garbage from the very top to the very bottom. And when you told us to watch this, the fact that all three of us fell asleep during a single time during this, it, it was just wow. So, yeah. if I could give it an F minus minus, that'd probably be the worst main event of any pay per view I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's probably up there. Yeah. How about you, Adam? There's so much bad with this match. Uh, I'm gonna just go over a few of my notes. One thing I noticed was uh, I write down why Stevie Ray. Why is he in this match to begin with? Before I even watch it, I'm like, why is he in this? Well, again. Let's run down who you had. You had Hogan, you had Warrior, you had uh, Nash. 
of course, someone has to take the pin. None of those guys are going to take the pin. So you needed someone who's just happy to be in the main event and, uh, and, and take the pin. So lo and behold, that actually made sense uh, to some extent. Um, it seems, you know, Bob mentioned Hogan came in uh, early before uh, he was supposed to. I'm wondering if that was by design or they were running out of time on the pay-per-view because, like as Tony mentioned, the one after it, they lose the feed. It seemed like the ending was rushed. Hogan and Warrior came out later than the two minutes because uh, prior to that, Dave Penzer, the ring announcer, is so fucking annoying. It's like, you know, four minutes and 30 seconds, four minutes and 15 seconds, four minutes, you know, every 15 seconds he's telling you how long until the next person comes out. It was, it was fucking overkill. Um, Tony, uh, Shivani, uh, called Kevin Nash DDP at one point when DDP had already started the match. Um, when Hogan comes in, uh, he has a slapjack and that's who, how he's knocking people out. He walks in the ring with the slapjack and at this point, uh, Lex Luger has Bret Hart in the torture rack, and Hogan walks right by it and just starts hitting somebody else. Like, maybe you'd want to go after Luger first before he wins the match, theoretically. Um, but I think they had to rush this. Um, uh, and it showed, because the, the ending was weak. Um, Dusty Rhodes must have pissed Bischoff off or something because this is a, a, an abomination of, of uh, a great concept of war games. Uh, just as a whole, I look at the show, how many filler crappy matches there were, the time they wasted with Lee Marshall and WCW Live, the time they wasted with Buff on the Stretcher, the time they wasted with Scott Hall being drunk, and uh, how much actual wrestling was on this show. Uh, probably about 10 minutes. And a three-hour show. So, yeah, I agree. This is an F. This is this is WCW at its finest, placating big egos and and uh, slow wrestlers past their prime, and it was a fucking snooze fest. Yeah. And that's it. That's Fall Brawl 98 for you. Um, let's give you our... Best matches and worst matches of the night. I think we're all in agreement the best match of the night was Raven versus Saturn. That's without a doubt. Yep. The crowd loved it. Um, it was a really cool match. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing that a match that good is just buried in something this fucking putrid. Um, but, yeah, that that's it. If you're going to see a match from this pay-per-view, Raven versus Saturn is the one to to uh to check out um worst match of the night uh let's start with you adam what was your pick for worst match of the night as bad as the main event was um and as ridiculous as it was um i found some laughable things about it uh, there was nothing laughable or redeeming about steiner versus steiner well, the amount of time wasted, the actual match itself was boring as shit, and then they threw the buff stuff in there. Uh, that uh, that edges out the main event. I'm going Steiner versus Steiner. Okay. How about you, Bob? I'm going with the main event. The quality of the names that you had in that main event and what the main event turned out to be, um, that's my pick. I'm going to go with Steiner versus... 
<coughs> Steiner as well. Um, the main event was awful, and it's uh, <coughs> it's a real black eye on the tradition of war games. Definitely the worst war games ever. But um, when I saw that, you know, a past is prime Piper, past is prime Hogan, and then the Warrior, all those people being involved, I just I knew it was pretty much going to be bad. I I went, didn't have high expectations for Steiner versus Steiner. It's just how awful that match is, and what the the audacity of just stopping it and following everything in real time for like fifteen minutes, just to have it be an NWO beat up at the end. Fuck you, seriously, <laughs> Jesus! It, that was I. I was so mad at the end of that match that, yeah, I have to say Steiner versus Steiner is the worst out of everything on this list. But, yeah. Um, I looked up Fall Brawl 98's Wikipedia page and uh, there's not a lot to it, but there is some interesting things here. Uh, It was named the worst major wrestling show of 1998 by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which... You know, I think is very accurate. Dave, Dave had it right on that. Uh, Thomas Hall of Wrestling Groomers gave the event a rating of an F minus, <laughs> stating that if there was a rating lower than this, then I would have given it to it. This was dreadful throughout, with Raven versus Saturn being the only match worth checking out, and even that's a stretch. They took all of the good potential that WCW had been building up for months and wasted it in one night. No Guerrero, no Goldberg, and no Flair, and Anderson gets beaten down because we needed to keep Kurt Henning looking strong. This ranks up there with the worst shows of all time, and I can easily see why it was named the worst show of the year for 1998. Um... Yeah, and then the Wrestling Observer poll had the show at a 99.4% thumbs down rating. Wow. And um, there was nothing on the show of any substance and had a lot more angles than a pay-per-view should. The fact that it was the second straight month that Goldberg didn't defend the title on a big show is second ridiculous. Second straight month? Really? Yep. Oh, my God. But it's like yelling, but it's yell- it's like yelling down a hallway at this point. The one standout match on the show was Saturn versus Raven, which should tell you the quality of the rest of the show. There are some spots here and there, but overall, the show is just very bad. Um, and then that was, that was another person you said Big Show. The Big Show was on that roster. Where was he? Yeah, yeah. And then finally, Jack Brahma of Four One One Mania gave the event a four point oh, which is a poor rating. It says. There are two good matches on the entire pay-per-view, and only one of them was above three stars. If there was a fifth writer of the apocalypse, it would look something like this pay-per-view. Goddamn. And also, I'd like to point out, the VHS cover of this pay-per-view features features Goldberg helping a bloodied Sting to the back. Goldberg was nowhere to be found on this fucking show. WCW couldn't even... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, WCW couldn't even get that right. They put fucking Jer- they put fucking Goldberg on the cover of a pay per view that he didn't even wrestle on. Sting wasn't bleeding. 
Oh, oh, it was. His, I'm sorry. It was his uh, his NWO Wolfpack makeup. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, fuck this pay per view. I'm sorry I picked it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Overall, what's our overall grades for uh, Fall Brawl '98? Adam, what would you give this? The grade of this uh, pay per view as a whole, I give it a D minus because it had two decent matches. Um, I, I'll just tack on to it that you know there was a couple decent things on it, and it all had to do with the younger talent at the time, and uh, you know that should have been assigned to you know maybe focus on that more and not all these old dinosaurs who couldn't move anymore. But uh, you know, of course, that's not what happened. I digress. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a D-. How about you, Bob? Your grade Perfect. for how, uh, Fall Brawl 98. Perfect. D- as well. D-? minus. Yeah, it was bad. I'm going straight F. You know, <laughs> yeah, there were, like, two decent matches, but that doesn't save it for the rest of the... I mean, I'm just it's so... It's better than the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, I guess, but... Seriously, that Steiner versus Steiner match is... I've never been that irrationally mad at a match in my life. Um, And, like I said, it's the worst War Games match of all time. So, yeah. F. Like I said, fuck this pay-per-view. I wish we had Shane Douglas on the show so he could be in character as Dean Douglas and go, F. F. But yeah, I promise next time we will pick a pay-per-view that is not one of the worst ones of all time. I swear to God, it will be an actual good pay-per-view. Swear to God, Hunter. Swear to God, Hunter. Swear to God, all you want. Swear to God, all you want, Hunter. Dune. What goes around comes around. Um, (laughs) Tell a few laughs. A few laughs. That's a few beers. God, she was a lumberjack. Anyway. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> and that's okay. Um, all right. Well, that's the end of our end of our review of how uh, I keep on going Halloween Havoc Fall Brawl eight ninety eight. Um, yeah, fuck it. Uh, let's. Be- that's the end of the show. But before we go, let's give you our match of the week picks, like we do every week. Uh, these are matches that we give you to watch in the meantime, in between time, before we get to you again next week. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? I figured that you guys were going to be AEW marks for this match of the week. So I'm going to bring you back to the NXT, and I'm going to give you Ilya Dragunov versus um, Carmelo Hayes. Fan-fucking-tastic match for the title. Please watch it. Definitely a great match. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about Russell Dream, Tony. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that is a really good match. Ilya Dragunov, one of my favorites that's in NXT and WWE as a whole right now. That was a really good match. But goddamn, Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. That's hands down my match of the, my match of the week this week. Go and watch that technical marvel. It's awesome, Adam. What's your match of the week pick this week? Uh, since I haven't seen Russell Dream yet, I'll have to go old school. Uh, since uh, we were talking about Edge at the beginning of uh, Adam Copeland, Adam Copeland at the beginning of the show, uh, he had a match with uh, Mick Foley here in Chicago, WrestleMania 22, hardcore match. Um, 
you know, that was that was a great match. Mick uh, hadn't wrestled in some time. He still had it, but but Edge was really coming into his own as a singles competitor at that time. Um, so uh, yeah, the you know two other two more guys who were really close and worked great together. So um, yeah, uh, to check that one out. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the show for this week. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, there's two ways to do that. As always, uh, you can email us. Our email address is enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. That is enhancementtalent316 at gmail.com. Or do what everybody else does. Follow us on our Facebook fan page. Just go on to Facebook, look up the Enhancement Talent, click the Join button, and you will be part of our Enhancement Talent community. You can use that page to do whatever you want. You can post stories, uh, memes, games, show suggestions, poll questions. Anything and everything you want to talk about in the world of wrestling is at your fingertips at our Enhancement Talent fan page on Facebook. Also, wherever you stream or listen to this show, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button. That helps us out a lot. And also, while you're doing that, Click and give us a five-star or four-star review, depending on the site you uh, you use. That also helps us out a lot. All right, so that's the end of the show for this week. So, for the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolavik, and for the other half of the amazing Lopez Cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez, I'm Tony Lopez. We'll see you again next week. Have a beautiful, safe, and happy week. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. See ya. Good night.